Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to you all. Allah bless you all. Today we start the 24th in the series on Ulumul Quran, the sciences of the Quran, and today is the third lesson regarding the miracle nature of the Quran, the inimitability of the Quran. Let us start off with some Quranic recitation to inspire our hearts. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذ صرفنا إليك نفرا من الجن يستمعون القرآن فلما حضروه قالوا أنصتوا فلما قضي ولوا إلى قومهم منذرين قالوا يا قومنا إنا سمعنا كتابا أنزل من بعد موسى مصدقا لما بين يديه يهدي إلى الحق وإلى طريق مستقيم يا قومنا أجيبوا داعي الله وآمنوا به يغفر لكم من ذنوبكم ويجركم من عذاب أليم وَمَنْ لَا يُجِبْ دَاعِيَ اللَّهِ فَلَيْسَ بِمُعْجِزٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَيْسَ لَهُ مِنْ دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ أُولَئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. So for the last day or so we've been discussing how the Quran um, put out a challenge and it was not met, is not being met and if it has not been met of the people of the past who were probably the most eloquent group of people, the people that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, was living amongst his own family members, his own tribal members and the, the host community of uh, Islam and the original uh, revelation of the Quran as well. If they could not do it, then how can somebody later on do it? Because the knowledge of this has stagnated. Clearly, they don't have the same uh, ability anymore. But 1400 years has shown us that it has not happened. So that is what we were discussing. Now today, we're going to get more deeper into the uh, especially the literary miracle of the Quran and the literary miracle of the Quran is probably the most important aspect of the Quran reason is that it's something which spans all the verses of the Quran so inshallah today what we want to discuss uh, b just before we move on to that major discussion uh, I just want to mention that this literary aspect of the Quran this unchallengeable nature of the Quran the uncomparable inimitable nature of the Quran uh, pretty, uh, pretty much the agreement across the board is that this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has that knowledge of being able to use the various different types of words and all of this will become actually much more clearer to you, right? Clearer to us as we read the various different small instances in which we see this at work, right? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has that breadth of knowledge, absolute coverage of the language, the absolute ability to take whichever word he wants um, and use go against the law when he wants but in a way that is acceptable and so on only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to do that that's why it's beyond human ability now the fact that nobody was able to challenge it why not so so uh, clearly the reason is because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has that ability they're trying to match Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you cannot do that 
there was a minority opinion. The only reason I mention this is because there are some who later then, uh, you know, although the original person who uh, had this opinion didn't have it for any, you know, uh, critical reasons of the Quran or something. That was just his opinion, This his name. He was a Mu'tazili scholar of the past. His name was Abu Ishaq al-Nadham. Abu Ishaq al-Nadham, a literary scholar, right? A good scholar of literature, of Arabic literature and so on. But he's a Mu'tazilite in his aqidah. And he came up with this idea that the reason why nobody was able to do it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevented them from doing so. Not that they didn't necessarily have the ability, but they, Allah prevented them from doing so. Allah turned them away from doing that. They just couldn't do it. Their minds would not work to do that. Now, it's a bit of a kind of an arbitrary statement, I think, anyway. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, regardless of that. But because of this statement of his, which he probably said in all innocence and so on, and not to criticize because he was a believer in the Quran. You know, he's a Mu'tazilite, heterodox beliefs in some aspects, but complete believer in, you know, he's a believer and believed in Islam and believed in the Quran, didn't have any problems with it. But then some later on tried to use that and have tried to use that to try to, uh, you know, uh, create some holes in this whole idea, but the majority never agreed with that idea. In Arabic, it's called just for your reference. It's called the uh, sarfa, sarfa. This concept is called sarfa that Allah just turned them away from being able to challenge it. Maybe they could have, but Allah just turned them away from doing so. But no, that uh, in fact the whole situation tells you that they tried, and uh, the if 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 the what what really repudiates this view very simply is that you know forget the historical aspect that they were not able to do it it's the the beauty of the Quran that is un, un, unmatchable in the sense that just the sheer beauty on the harmony and everything that's uh, that just falls in place the concordance of it and everything it's just that in itself just shows the beauty of it itself and its inimitable nature whether somebody tried Allah did not have to prevent them from doing so in fact Allah is asking them to do so and even the text they support the view that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them you try and they were unable to do so um, so now what we're going to be speaking about is the ways that the Quran is a miracle right we talked about the broad idea of what it means but now we're going to specifically talk about specific issues specific uh, aspects of the Quran that make it the miracle that it is, that it is now subhanallah there are many views right there are many many views regarding what uh, re regarding the Quran being a miracle there are many many views regarding this uh, as to how it's a miracle right what makes it the miracle that it is there are so many views about this and um, we're going to look at some of them. First, I'm going to just let you give you a summary of the earlier view regarding this, the earlier views regarding this, and they're, 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 they're all in harmony. The early and later views, they're pretty much in harmony. It's just that they've been able to add to it. They've been able to uh, detail it further, speak about more of its nuances and its subtleties and kind of just open it up a bit more and bring other aspects as well in there. Um, there's some who insist that it's just the literary view, uh, literary idea of it, the literary aspect, the literal quality of it, the lyrical quality of it. Some insist on that. Others say that it's much more than that. For example, foretelling the future, foretelling past events that were undiscovered, unknown to people, right? And many, many aspects like that. So um, I, I'm not going to bore you with any other discussion right now. Let me just get to the bottom of it uh, by um, discussing what... Uh, 
Imam Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Ahmad al-Qurtubi al-Ansari who died in 671 we discussed his tafsir as one of the great tafsirs of the past in one of the earlier lectures so at the beginning of his tafsir called al-jami' li ahkam al-Qur'an Imam Qurtubi says um, the following um, he says there are 10 ways that the Quran is a mu'jiza. Now that is just what he's taking from the people who had been discussing this before him. So he takes it and he summarizes it down into 10 points. Okay, so the, uh, I'm going to quickly just go through his just to give you an idea of what he says. The first one is its composition, the composition of the Quran, the way the Quran is written, the wording choice and the sentence structure. That is, that is the number one. We're very used to the Quran right now. In fact, most of us, many of us, may only the only Arabic they've probably read is the Quran. However, for the people who were uh, the host recipients of the Quran, they'd, they'd obviously been accustomed to a very specific or specific styles and genres of Arabic language. When the Quran came down, it was totally different to anything that they knew. I discussed that already, right? So in the Lisan al-Arab, in the Arabic language, there was nothing similar to it, right? It's a total separate category on its own and it's never been able to be matched right since then as well so number one it's not poetry what they knew was there was the genre poetry genre there was not poetry so for example you know i mentioned the story of unais the brother of abu dharr who made it very clear that this is you know people were saying that it's poetry or it's magic and he says well i am a poet and i know that this has got nothing to do with poetry so that, that, that was the story I already mentioned to you. Then Utba ibn Rabi'ah, I mentioned his story as well, especially when he, the Prophet ﷺ read Surah Fussilat Hamim Wal Kitab Al Mubin to him. SubhanAllah, you know, they, they, he, he totally got changed because he realized that this is not poetry as well. Number two, the style of the Quran, the style of the way it's composed and also the way of its arguments, etc., is just totally different to any of the Arabic styles, right? They, they just did not know the methodology, the style of the Quran. It was, it's just different, right? Number three, the boldness and confidence is the most amazing thing. The boldness and the confidence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, in the way he declares things, in the way he challenges things, in the way he mentions things, in the way he asserts things, in the way he argues different points. That jazala in Arabic, you know, it's the concept of jazala, that boldness and that confidence is just not found in any other language. Uh, sorry, not in any other language, in anybody else's writing in which you can, it can be backed up by what is being said. I mean, you can have a false boldness and it's just empty. But here it's talking about, for example, I mean, just look at these. You can, you'll have to do this yourself. Take the surah Qaf. Qaf wal Quran al Majid. Bal ajibu an ja'ahum munthirum minhum. Right? Uh, and then the kafirin said, Hada shay'un ajib. Aida mitna wa kunna turaban thalika raj'um ba'id. Qad alimna ma tankusu al ardu minhu. Allahu akbar. Allahu Akbar. Just take Surah Al-Qaf and take a translation, right? And maybe take Arbery's translation, right? Or any translation, any good translation. Take Arbery's translation. He's tried to match the rhythmic sound of the Arabic in the English as well, right? And, and just, just see the meaning. But if you don't understand Arabic, you may not. Those who understand Arabic, read Qaf, for example. Um, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, for example, uh, there, there's another verse. 
والأرض جميعا قبضته يوم القيامة والسماوات مطويات بيمينه سبحانه وتعالى عما يشركون read those verses to the end likewise um, read famous verse a famous section ولا تحسب uh, this is the end of the 13th juz right it's the end of the 13th juz I think it's the end of Surah Ibrahim I think it's ولا تحسبن الله غافلا عما يعمل الظالمون إنما يؤخرهم ليوم تشخص فيه الأبصار مهطعين مقنعي رؤوسهم لا يرتد إليهم طرفهم وأفئدتهم هواء Read that and to the end These are just a few points I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out for you just so you can appreciate both the lyrical quality, the style, the boldness I mean all of this is about boldness Another thing I would suggest you do, and we did this actually, I, I, I was in a retreat in the San Bernardino Mountains uh, that's just east of LA, uh, Los Angeles, and we had a retreat there, and mashallah, in the darkness, right, um, I, I was actually, uh, I was leading a group there, and I had, I taught Qaf al-Qur'an al-Majid, right, Qaf al-Qur'an al-Majid, bal ajibu an munthirun minhum, Allahu Akbar, what a profound experience that was in the darkness, reading that, you know, just, just read that with just maybe an iPad or something, you know, just with, you know, on the phone or something like that, just with a light, just with that much and just brood over that. And It's so personal. It's so personal. It's so touching. It's so profound. Do this, do this. I mean, don't just listen to my lectures. Go and Go and do that. MashaAllah, somebody told me yesterday they actually did that with Surah Al-Fussilat and it made them cry. So do this and you'll see. You'll see, inshaAllah. You'll see this for yourself. And if you understand Arabic, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. And even if you don't, inshaAllah, it will still help. That's why Ibn Al-Hisar or Ibn Al-Hassar says these three first points that Qurtubi has mentioned, right, which is the composition, the style, and number three, the confidence and boldness of it is in every surah. Right, it's in every surah. In fact, you'll find it in every verse. Right, and this, these are the primary three things, according to him, that would set apart the Quran from any other form of writing. Right, and that is actually what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has used to provide the challenges. That same kind of language that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is providing this. Just give, let's give a let's give another short example of this. Right, um, how. It's like this. For example, let's just take the shortest verse, shortest surah of the Quran. Right? So, let me translate it for you. We have given you the kawthar. Kawthar refers to al-khayr al-kathir. I mean, of course, it can refer to that reservoir in particular, the watering pool in the hereafter. But it can also, it refers to Abundant goodness, abundant merits, abundant virtues, abundant uh, uh, wealth, whatever. We've given you, inna a'tayna kal kawthar. Fasallili rabbika wanhar. So now pray for your Lord, right? Pray to your Lord, pray for your Lord, establish prayer for your Lord. Wanhar and sacrifice, give a sacrifice. And inna shani aka wal abtar. And the one who criticizes you, the one who has objections to you, who's been reviling you and so on, he's the one who's going to be left without anything. He's going to be left uh, without uh, children, without resources, without a progeny, and so on and so forth. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look what he says in here in this shortest verse. Number one, Allah is telling us that he has given the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam abundance. Now that is, we know that through other hadith uh, because 
uh, in the hadith it says that the watering pool will be such that just the cups and the vessels, the glasses that will be used to serve people there or to take from there will be more than you know the stars in the sky. That just gives you an understanding of just the kawthar and how that relates in that meaning. Number two, there's also a foretelling in this regarding Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. We talked about him yesterday, Khalid bin Walid's father. That uh, Now he had a lot of children, he had a lot of wealth as well. Right, because if you if you look at the verses in Surah Al-Muddathir, Allah says, "Zarni wa man khalaqtu wahida, wajalatu lahu malam mamduda, wabanina shuhuda, wamahatu lahu tamhida." So all of these verses they indicate that he was a man of abundance, right? And we know that anyway. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala destroyed him and his children, and and so on. I mean, Khalid bin Walid is a separate idea, right? Khalid bin Walid is a separate, uh, you know, from this. But all the others, he just got destroyed, and he was not happy that his son. You know, he's obviously not going to be happy that his son would be a Muslim anyway. Right? And number three. Um, well, yeah. So that those are the two points that you find just in Surah Al-Kawth. In such a short surah, gives you so much understanding. Number four, now uh, going back to Imam Qurtubi's uh, list of 10 things, we talked about the first three, the composition and the style and the boldness and confidence. Number four is, again, this confidence of changing the Arabic language to suit what it wants to say. Now, you might say, well, people could do that in English. I can, you know, take a sentence and mess up the grammar and do it my way. Yeah, but people aren't going to appreciate it. Anybody can do that, but they won't appreciate it. The way the Quran does it, right? Everybody can see that this was needed and this was clever. This was smart. This was an amazing, you know, uh, extension of the law, of the rule. That kind of administration, administration in the Arabic language is very, it's impossible for somebody to do it at that level, as the level that Quran does. So even the enemies have to say, wow. Yes, it's maybe not going according to the way we normally say this, but that's amazing. That's the thing. You know, it's like when people are used to doing something in a certain way and uh, somebody comes and does it differently, they're going to have to be really, really, really good to get people used to that different way and different style of doing things. Otherwise, there's protests and most people fail, but then somebody who's really good at something, they may be able to change the system in some way. The Quran did that with every verse, with every verse, subhanAllah. Okay, number five, these, some of these will be familiar to you. Number five is Al-Ikhbar Anil-Umur, Alladhi Taqaddamat, you know, to inform of matters that have passed, right? From the beginning of the world, you know, to the time of the revelation of the Quran, and that, okay, what's the big deal? It's his, history, historical aspects, yeah, but this is, at the on the tongue of someone who's a ummi who's unlettered they know who he has sat with they know they know they knew that he had not studied with historians uh, you know ahlul anba ahlul akhbar he'd not sat with historians or people who told stories and knew events of the past he'd never sat with those kind of people but yeah he's coming up with things and then the very people who asked you know know this history or know parts of this history maybe through other religious scriptures or whatever they're stunned by the knowledge that he has, that it corroborates what they know, but gives more detail and it can't be denied because it matches up. It's kind of like the missing blocks of the parts that they knew from, you know, the other traditions and it gives it in a very pristine way, right? That in itself is amazing, right? That in itself is amazing. But as you know that this is not something you're going to find in every verse of the Quran, this particular aspect. 
but it is one of the miracle aspects of the Quran. But it's not going to be found every verse because not every verse tells you about past events. That's why Qadi Abu Tayyib says that we know for sure that the Prophet ﷺ had no way of studying these particular aspects, right? Because he was not known to have studied them. He was never have known. And there's, as I said, there's no phones in those days that you could go and secretly do it in your, uh, in your house or so on. So that was even more greater. Number six, the sixth one that Imam Qurtubi mentions is Al-Wafa'u Bil-Wa'di. Al-Mudrak Bil-Hissi Fil-Ayan. Promising things that were very soon fulfilled. Making promises and then fulfilling them very soon, very perceptible way as well. Now, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that we will help you. Right? We will assist you. Nasr, right? We will help you and assist you. We will take you back to where you came from, to Makkah Mukarramah. And all of that happened. And then more than that, that you can, that you, if you have tried this and if you try this, this is science, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do this for you. Allah says, Whoever relies on Allah, Allah will suffice him. I've, I mean, I don't have much tawakkul, but the bit that, you know, I can say that I can definitely experience this and feel this. I've felt this before, numerous occasions, right? Whoever believes, truly wants to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will guide his heart. That's why there was somebody I just dealt with before Ramadan who's having quite a shaky ideas about the faith. And I said, look, number one, you need to stop reading antagonistic literature. It's not helpful, right? Because you don't know your Islam properly. He hadn't studied Islam properly, right, at depth. But he's reading all of these really complicated antagonism and, and arguments against Islam. I said, well, that's just unfair. That's why you're having issues. And number three, you need to sincerely ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because anybody who, as the verse says, whoever wants, whoever believes in Allah, Allah is going to guide his heart. Number three, in Surah Al-Talaq, if you want to see it in uh, 28, Juz 28, whoever fears Allah, Allah will find a way out for him. I've numerous stories it just i'm rushing this because we don't have time and number four allah said and i mentioned this before to you that if there's um if there were 20 of you that were steadfast they would be able to overcome 200 that kind of equation did happen then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um lightened the burden them and said okay it's going to be one to two now Right in terms of uh, in in battle and so on. Number seven. Uh, sorry if I'm rushing this a bit. I I want to get to some of the other more uh, more recent uh, uh, what do you call it uh, discussions on this. This is uh, number seven is informing of future unknown events and then they come up right, which only Allah Subhanahu wa Taala could have known. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ Now one of the simplest examples I've not seen anybody else write about, but that has occurred to me very simply, simple, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the Pharaoh, which was a historical idea that we're not going to let your body drown today, since we're going to give you respite with your body so that you can be a sign for the people after you. Now, that was a verse in the Quran. It's been read for 1300 years, but nobody knew the body of Pharaoh existed anyway. 
And then about 100 to 150 years ago, this Howard Carter goes and finds the mummies. And now they've, you know, all of these mummies that they found. Subhanallah, that verse becomes even more alive, right? That literally that Ramses II or whoever it was, he is there in his, Allah has allowed him to endure until today to be a sign. Now, what is that if that's not a prophecy of the Quran, of the future? And there's so many of those. This is just one that occurred to me. There's so many that others, people, other people, other scholars have actually listed as well. So um, there's so many verses about this as well uh, that happened during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu itself. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Now, in this verse, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala promises them, promises the believers among you and those who good deeds that he will make you inheritors of the earth. Just like he did that for the people before you. And this is exactly what happened to the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. It happened for several years until we got messed up again. Right. Likewise, there's another uh, there's another prophecy in the verse. لَقَدَ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ رَسُولَهُ الرُّؤْيَا بِالْحَقِّ لَتَدْخُلُنَّ الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامَ إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ آمِنِينَ See, the Prophet had a dream right, that, uh, about this. Then Allah mentions that Allah has confirmed for his messenger the dream the truthful dream that you will soon certainly enter into the masjid al-haram if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills in absolute safety and security and that's exactly what happened the conquest of makkah took place afterwards likewise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in other verses allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised you one of the groups one of those armies that you were going to overcome them and then a really really prominent example that you can actually read in read in gibbon's uh, history and other places is about the roman defeat first in the time of the prophet and then just several years later their uh, their their success and their victory over the persians so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, and this was the verse that was revealed at the beginning of surah al-rum Right, the Romans, when the Romans were actually defeated by the Persians. So just after that uh, defeat, and I've mentioned this in my tafsir, you can go and check last year's series, the 21st Jews, and it will be discussed in there, inshallah. Allah says, Alif Lam Mim Yes, the Romans have been defeated, right? But very soon they're going to be successful. They're going to be victorious. Nobody could believe that. The Persians seem to be a mightier force. Nobody could believe that. And the non-Muslims of the time were actually taunting the Muslims that your brothers, you know, your Christians, uh, because they also believed in God, obviously, right? The, the, they've been defeated. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said they made this a joke, but within a few years, they had to bow their heads in shame and in remorse because it's exactly what happened. The Romans had victory. Right? There's numerous examples of this. These are just quick, quick, quick examples I'm providing so that we can cover and you can go and search for this for, for yourself. Number eight, the other amounts of knowledge, the profound amounts of knowledge that the Quran includes that are relevant, moral knowledge, legal knowledge, right? halal, haram, ways of life, what's beneficial and so on. You know, that's another miracle of the Quran, right? That people have been able to find that useful for 
you know, so many centuries. And number nine are the wisdoms. So that's beyond just the knowledge, the wisdoms, you know, the profound wisdoms, very similar, right, that are beneficial for humans to live their life by, that which is found in the Quran. And number 10 is the harmony in what the Quran says and uh, no discrepancy uh, between what the Quran says within each other, even though it was revealed over 23 years in bit by bit. When you put it together, I mean, there should be some contradiction, but no, there's no contradiction to show that it was actually all prepared beforehand. You know, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kalam with him from eternity. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Had it been from other than Allah, they would have found so much discrepancy therein, but they don't find a discrepancy, right? You can see from this that ulama have discussed from past times that, you know, there are many ways that the Quran is a miracle. With all of these things, they, it makes it the miracle, right? And, and so on. And it's not just the wording and the composition, but it's actually its meanings as well. Another aspect to this, uh, if we're to look at what the contemporary scholars have said, meaning more recent event, uh, more, more recently, what people have said, I would say that they've probably talked about the following 12 things, okay? And we're going to talk about them in a bit more detail, but I'll just list that the facets of ijaz, the facets of inimitability of the Quran can be listed in about 12 things. Number one, um, the, the, the point that it cannot be challenged. So the unique composition that nobody's been able to match. Number two, uh, the literary miracle of the Quran in the sense that when you look at it, and I'm going to open up some of this for you, inshallah, right? Uh, that forget that nobody's been able to challenge it, but the absolute sheer beauty and balance, right? That the Quran has in its language. I just talked about some of this aspect. Number three, the preservation of the Quran is a miracle. Right, that it's not been changed, even though it's gone over 1400 years, whereas other books and things, they, they change. Number, what else have we got here? The preservation, yeah, predictions about the future. I just talked about some of that. Lost knowledge uh, of the past, and then that being corroborated with people who had parts of that knowledge, that yes, it's completely conducive to that. Knowledge about the natural world, so much phenomena about the natural world. And I discussed a lot of this in my series on tafsir, you know, in the 30 Jews, right? Where so many places that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, for example, uh, people riding on different means of conveyances. And then he says, and other things that Allah will create. I mean, he could not be talking about rockets, you know, 1400 years ago, but he alludes to it. He, uh, the motor vehicle, the automobile, the, uh, uh, the automobile, and all of these other things, which... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives room for that in the Quran. Right? Uh, elucidations about the origins of life. That's another aspect, right, which completely conforms to uh, uh, an understanding. Then we've got the existence of God, his names and his attributes, just the way that is discussed. Um, universal laws, objective mor morality and guidance. That is another aspect. All of this needs... Dis I'm not going to discuss all of this, by the way. Okay, And... The ease by which the Qur'an is memorized is another aspect. How easy it is to memorize and guarantee you it's easy. Right? Alhamdulillah. Having done it, it's very easy and you, know, you will know that those of you who memorized it. And number, the, the number 10, I think, is that, or number 11 is lack of errors and contradictions. So no discrepancy. 
and uh, then people's personal experiences related to the Quran when you indulge in the Quran, when you engross yourself in the Quran. Now, mashallah, many, many scholars have been amazed and even more recently, okay, I would say more recently, people have discussed this a lot more in detail. I would say some of the more famous names of the last hundred years, right? If you want to look into this, most of their stuff would be in Arabic, but it's been taken and put into English. Some of their stuff has been taken. Some of the more famous one is the Allama Mustafa Sadiq al-Rafi'i. He's got a book called Ijazul Quran. So what they've done is they've developed a lot more on the ideas of the people of the past in terms of the Ijaz of the Quran. So he kind of, you can say, is one of the early ones of this last century. Then after that, somebody who comes after him, and I've mentioned him before, is from Egypt, uh, Dr. Muhammad Abdullah Darraz. He's, he's phenomenal when it comes to the Quran, Quranic sciences. And one of his most famous books on this subject is called An-Naba'ul Azim. The great account, the great information, right? The the the, the noble uh, the the noble uh, news, right? And uh, yeah, he's got a number of uh, ideas in there. Then after that, he had a, I think it was this contemporary who's really famous in again Quranic works, Manahi, the author of Manahilul Irfan, Allama Muhammad Abdul Azim Az Zurqani, right? Az Zurqani. And he's done a number of issues. And then after that, there's been some others more recent times. Uh, Dr. Hassan Diyauddin Itr in his, co- in his book called Al-Mu'jiza, Al-Khalida. And then there's a number of others. You know, there's a number of others I can't. And even now, you know, there's lots of scholars out there. And there's on YouTube, there's lots of lectures in Arabic on this subject by some very famous scholars and, and, and so on. So the... What they say is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the main points from them, right? As to what they say is the ijaz of the Quran. So the first one, I would say they all pretty much seem to agree that the first one is the uslubul Quran al-Kareem, which means the manner, the style, the technique, the special pattern, the special technique of the Quran, right? What does exactly that mean? Why is this one of the biggest features of the Quran? What, sorry, one of the biggest inimitable mu'jiza features of the Quran. Why do they all restrict it to this one? The reason is that this is actually what the Quran is. The Quran is in Arabic language. It's a piece of writing. It's a composition. And this particular point relates to the very composition of it. right? And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about it. That's why this is probably the most important aspect, the composition of it. Al-Manhaj al-Bayani. It's its methodology of expression, the way Allah expresses ideas, the methodology of expression, which is inimitable of the Quran. And this is something found in every single verse of the Quran, not just in some verses. For example, you know, the ones about telling you about the past events or future events or prophecies or promises, they're going to be found in some verses, not in all verses. But this particular aspect is found in every single verse. And this, number two, that's the first point about this. Number two, what makes this the most mightiest point is this is something what the Arabs of the time, the host community that the Quran was first directly revealed to, they got this. This is what bowled them off their feet. More than the other aspects, I would say. Like just amazing, because they were literary people, meaning they loved good composition. And this is what took them off. Yes, there were the other aspects which complemented it about the past and future and warnings and all the other and the advices and everything. But it's a literary aspect which just tugged at their hearts, right? And just beautified their mind and they understood it when they saw it. 
and they were unable to challenge it. So how can you expect somebody who comes later to be able to challenge it, even with the supercomputers of the world? Now, in this regard, what exactly is this particular first point, right? The, this is the, the... So I'm going to split this up into two, right? Two major points. This is the literary regard. Now, remember, somebody who's going to be able to appreciate this properly are going to be people who know Arabic, right? So they're the ones who are going to really appreciate this. Their host community was like that. And that's what that's the Quran did its job. And that's how we have Islam today, right? That's how Omar became Muslim. And that's why we have Islam today because of these people. The second aspect, which I'll talk about most likely tomorrow now, right, is the things which has got, uh, which is not necessarily to do with the Arabic aspect of it, but it's something that anybody can see of it, right? And I've alluded, alluded to some of them already. But just today, just to pursue some of the Arabic aspect of it, the first way of that is, and this is on multiple levels, okay? And you might be wondering, like, what are you talking about? But you'll see what I mean. And I get really excited about this. I was actually introduced to this in 2009, right? In 2009, I had no idea about this, to be honest. I mean, I'd studied the Quran and everything, but I'd not studied this particular aspect, these particular aspects of it. And mashallah, may Allah bless uh, Professor Abdul Halim, you know, in SOAS, that I took a class with him called The Language, Style and Structure of the Quran. And I was like, wow. You know, there's a whole dimension of the Qur'an that I had no idea. And since that day, I've just been amazed by that. When you read the Qur'an, when you explain the Qur'an, and you just see that. It's, you need to understand this uh, idea of it. Um, we actually teach this uh, when we teach in our uh, detailed postgraduate tafsir program, right? We teach this. This is for uh, anybody who knows Arabic. Generally, it is for ulama and alimat, but anybody who understands Arabic can join this where we cover the various different tafsirs and there's a, there's a lesson on the language style and structure of it, right? Which uh, we may actually yeah, uh, offer separately in the coming year. But anyway, this particular aspect of it is the composition, right? In both uh, its sound and its choice of words. So it's not just choice of words that are beautiful, but the way they sound, the way they match the meaning. You see, when somebody hears the Quran for the first time, what they're going to hear are, is the composition. Okay. Now, what they're going to see in that is the way where there's pauses, where there's uh, intermittent pauses, where there's movement, there's a haraka, there's going to be ghunna, right? Now, you don't have to, you don't read like that when you speak Arabic or when you read another book. If you, if you were to read um, the Kalila wa Dimna or some other classic of the Arabic language, you don't have to read if it was in the Shamsa Qad Zalat, right? You don't have to say in the Shamsa Qad Zalat. You don't have to say that. You have to do that in the Quran, though. Okay? So, when somebody is reading the Quran, there's a specific tajweed and a specific way to read the Quran that beautifies it. And what it does is just not that. Why is tajweed necessary? Well, number one is to give that right effect, to carry its meaning effectively. Have you ever thought about why tajweed is necessary in the Quran? Because that's what makes the Quran. The Quran is part of that which complements the, the da'wah of the Quran, the effect of the Quran. So... You're going to find ghunnas in there. You're going to find qalqalas in there. Man raq wa dhanna annahu al-firaq wal-taffati s-saq bis-saq 
you're going to find these elongations. وَالْدُّحَا وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى وَلَكِنْ كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى ثُمَّ ذَهَبَ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ يَتَمَتَّى Then you're going to have these other abrupt endings like لَا أُقْسِمُ بِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالنَّفْسِ اللَّوَّامَةِ أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَلَّا نَجْمَعَ عِظَامَةِ Then you're going to have things like يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مِّنْهُمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ شَأْنٌ يُغْنِيهِ you know, you're going to have these various different sequences of very specific harmonious, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, rhapsodies, sounds, tones, that help to carry the meaning. And it changes accordingly. And this is the most amazing aspect. So when you hit, then you're going to sum, in a lot of places, it's going to be stretches. Um, Right? Stretches. So it's amazing. Stopping, pausing, stretching, nasal sounds, right? The ghunnat and so on. It, it, it is unique. It is amazing. And that helps to carry the message if you understand the meaning. This music. So it's not musical like poetry where you're going if you if you look at poet poems generally the arabic poetry it all ends in a certain word ra 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 now quran uh, in some surahs they do end in certain words like for example if you look at the beautiful i love to read it all the time i'm going to be reading it tonight in talawi as well surah muhammad surah al-qital right in uh, 26th juz والذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وآمنوا بما نزل على محمد وهو الحق من ربهم كفر عنهم سيئاتهم وأصلح بالهم The whole surah is هم كم هم 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 The whole surah but it's not poetry You see the poetry you're going to expect that it's going to be all like that so there's a certain expect there's a certain expectation in poetry that it's going to be exactly aligned in uh, according to a certain meter the Quran is not according to any meter. That's why it, it, it is less rigid. That's why it has more flexibility. That's why it's got more ability and vastness and expansiveness to be able to do what it wants. Likewise, it's, uh, it, it's not such poetry that, you know, you've got long lines of that poetry that eventually it just gets boring because it's the same old uh, meter that's being repeated over and over and over again. But no, in the Quran, just... Do me a favor and check Surah Al-Qiyamah. And you've got about five or six clusters, right? Which each cluster seems to rhyme, but not in meter. Not in meter. It's just the ending seems to rhyme. They seem to end in a similar way. And it just keeps changing with the themes of it. It doesn't let you be bored. So when the theme changes to the Akhirah, there's another style. When it's, uh, when it's more guilt, uh, what do you call it? Creating, taking your guilt right. It's different. Okay. So you don't get bored with the Quran. You can't get bored with the Quran, except that you know you may get bored in terms of the timing that you spend, right? That you just get tired of reading or your mouth gets tired, but you won't get bored of listening because it's just different. It's not the same old lines, bang, 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 you know? Then if you go beyond that, even more subtle, right? This is really, and I'm spending time on this, but if you go more subtle, in terms of the 
letters of Arabic and how you're supposed to say them. You know, you've got some that are very soft letters. You've got some that create a whistling sound, right? The safir, right? You've got some which have the humps sound, right? Uh, right? You've got uh, you know, the soft ha. Then you've got the hard sounds that hit you, like the aqa uh, and tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tab. I mean, that in just that position, I mean, if you look at the meaning, right? may the hands of Abu Lahab perish, right? May they perish. Say Osla Nara that a lahab, Wamra to Hamal at Al Hatab, Fiji diha Habelum Mimasad, Ed, 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 that rebounding sound. So you've got these different wording that's used of the Arabic language with these laws of Tajweed where you have to create this, you know, you don't create rebounding sounds in all letters. You only do it in certain letters and those are the ones that have been used. Some people, if they want to create a rebounding sound in Lam, that would be wrong. Like some people do read this wrong. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That's wrong. It should be Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. There should not be any rebound down there. But in a Qaf, in a Ta, in a Ba, in a Jim, in a Dal, you have to have a rebound. That creates a certain effect. Now you, you're wondering now that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, has used all of these things to create an effect. But it's lost to us if we don't know the, how this is in harmony with its meaning. So the, the wording that's used, the letters that are used with the, you know, the words with the specific letters that are used, right, to change and affect the meaning with this musical quality, right? So the Quran has a musical quality. Somebody could just literally discuss the music of the Quran, right? And that would be the halal music as well. If you want halal music, study the music of the Quran, really. Right, and people are amazed throughout the world with the music of the Quran. You know your Sudeises and your uh, all these other pe people, mashallah. All right, what is that? That's a music, but it's non-instrumental. It's divine music from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's words. So the Quran will change, right? The wording will change based on whether the Prophet Sallallahu is sorry, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is giving a message, whether he's mentioning a wisdom, whether he's mentioning a law. Right, uh, one of the legal aspects, whether it's mentioning the aqaid and the beliefs, whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about one of the other principles, whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is preaching in that case, whether he's exhorting in that case, whether he's admonishing in that case, whether he's repudiating in that case, there's some jalal that comes up suddenly, right, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just speaks in majesty. There's other times when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleading with people, like you know, just think of that, even if you don't understand Arabic, just run to Allah. How harmonious is that? How, how, I mean, you don't even understand Arabic. Even, Subhanallah. Right? I'll just mention one more point. We have gone over time already, but I'll just mention one more point and then we'll have to carry on the rest tomorrow, right? The meaning. And the words, the word and the meaning being in complete harmony, right? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is to use the right amount of words to provide the right amount of message, 
or meaning or whatever you want to say. So whatever you want to say to someone, you use the shortest possible way of saying it in a way that's effective as well. The Quran is able to do this in the best of ways. Now, what I mean by that is if there's somebody who wants to be very brief, but they want to obviously give a message. The problem is that they're either going to end up being too brief. I've dealt with this so many times. You know, I've dealt with students. Some are very wordy students and other, other students, they write in notes. They don't want to write out things. They keep half the information in their mind and they just write out. You know, when you're teaching somebody how to write, you know, we're teaching people how to write fatwas. So some are too wordy, they're including irrelevant parts and there's others who are including not enough knowledge. We've got, you know, not enough of the answer. They expect that you know it. Or they, they kept that, where is that point? Oh, I thought it would be clear. It's not clear, right? To anybody, it's not clear. This is the extreme, you know, the extremities that you're going to deal with in language, right? That people like. Now, some people try to get that balance. Now, what the Quran, uh, the, the thing is that even a good writer, when they try to make it very brief, they're sometimes going to compromise on some of the meaning they want to say by keeping the word short sometimes you know it's a newspaper article or there's only you know you only allowed 500 words in an abstract right or in a proposal you're only allowed to write 300 words for example you want to say a lot but how much can you write in 300 words so you're going to have to compromise on something so that's what happens sometimes on other occasions it's the opposite where you want to say more but then what happens is that people get bored it becomes verbose you do too much, it's tatwil, there's just too much elongation in there and there's just a lot of fluff in there. The Qur'an is what does this in the most balanced and perfect manner. Where it needs a bit more detail, it provides it. But where it needs to be concise, it's concise. It's concise overall anyway, but not too much that it doesn't provide the relevant information. Now you might say, I've read stories in the Qur'an and they don't have all the juicy details that the Israelite traditions are. Well, that's a separate idea. The Qur'an has a certain message and is giving you the most relevant part. That's enough. The Qur'an will not, not say, then he came here. It'll just mention, then it's like that. For example, it, it doesn't say when they enter Jannah. It's just going to, it's just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just suddenly says, and the angels will welcome them into Jannah saying, Salamun alaykum bima sabartum fani'ma uqbaddar. So it, it cuts out all of the transitions in between that are not needed and it just does this in a way that makes sense that people are not going to say, hey, should have added this here. Why isn't he said here, right? In the conversation, you know, sometimes the conversations are just so free-flowing that it doesn't even say who's saying what, but you can understand who's saying what. You know, the critics of poetry, of Arabic poetry, they say that there's very, very, very few poems Right, of the celebrated poems that have set out to be the shortest possible but have the greatest meaning, there's very few that have been able to get even close to that. But the Quran does this all the time in its, in its expression. Now, when you read the Quran with the meaning, La tahus bil israf wala bil taqtir, you'll have no perception, hey, this is too wordy here. It didn't need to be that. There's going to be a benefit for that extra word. Or you're never going to feel like, hey, this is too short. Of course, it's too short in a sense that you want it to carry on. But, you know, in terms of the meaning it's trying to say, it said it in the most eloquent way. Now, I would put out a challenge that one of the scholars have put out. He's saying, to, to, I mean, you'll only be able to do this, obviously, if you know Arabic. But for those of you who know Arabic, what you do is take any part of the Quran. Right, any few verses, uh, any short surah of the Quran, alam nashrah laka sadrak, whatever, and count the number of words in it. So take kulhu Allahu ahad, count the number of words in it. Right, 
Then take, like, let's just say it has 21 words in there. You take 21 words from any other piece in Arabic that you think is great, that's very amazing. There are some very good, amazing pieces in Arabic. Take 20 words from there, 21 words, same number of words. And then try to see all the meanings and significations that come out from the 21 words surah of the Quran and the 21 words of that other piece of writing, whether it's a short poetry or whatever it is. And then compare the two together, right? That's the first thing. Number two, um, check the other piece first of the 21 words or 50 words or whatever it be. And then see if you can switch some of the words with some of their synonyms, alternative words. And you'll probably be able to do and still maintain the same meaning. Try to do that in the Quran and you'll lose out. You'll lose some meaning. So the specific word that Allah has chosen, and I'll give you some of these examples, inshallah, tomorrow, better examples. If you remove that word and add another word, and Arabic, as I told you the other day, it has tens of words sometimes for a single idea. right? Try to do that and you'll lose some of the meaning. So the specific word, specific synonym that has been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most apt to provide that extra signification in there. Compare this, do this for yourself and see what you come up with, right? In fact, in the Quran, you know, to maintain that same meaning, you won't be able to change it to any, anything else. That's why Ibn Atiyah, rahimahullah says, لَوْ نُزِعَتْ مِنْهُ لَفْظَةٌ ثُمَّ أُدِيرَ if you were to take any word of the Quran and say, okay, let me find another word in Arabic language that could replace this, you would not be able to find a better word than it in terms of the way it sounds. And I'll show you some of the beautiful examples. I'll explain that one tomorrow for you. If you wanted to change that to another word, you would lose the quality, you'd lose the music, you'd lose the meaning, you'd lose everything. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, bravely, boldly, Allah says, Kitabun uhkimat ayatuhu thumma fussilat milladun hakimin khabir. These this is a book whose ayat, whose verses have been made firm and solid, right? And then they have been uh, detailed from the one who's all wise and who's all knowing. So with that, we have to end today's session. And uh, subhanAllah, you know, there's some, uh, th th there's more to this. The third way that the Quran is a literal miracle, I'll, I'll explain that, uh, a few more before we go into those which are, uh, which even the non-Arabs would able, be able to appreciate, right, uh, directly, inshallah. Uh, may Allah allow us to live uh, until tomorrow. And uh, inshallah, give us all long lives of, on Iman and don't allow us to die, die before we have been able to enjoy the Quran and make it ours. May Allah bless us with the Quran. May Allah inspire us with the Quran. May Allah beautify us with the Quran. May Allah educate us with the Quran. May Allah embellish us with the Quran. May Allah allow us to rise with the Quran. May Allah allow us to rise in Jannah with the Quran. May Allah allow us to die with the Quran. May Allah allow the Quran to defend us from the hellfire. May Allah allow the Quran to be our intercessor uh, into paradise. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow that to be the, uh, a way to get our crowns for our parents in, 
in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to teach the Quran and learn the Quran, know the Quran, understand the Quran, understand its various different aspects. And may Allah allow us to be teachers of the Quran so that we can be the best of the people of Muhammad sallallahu ummah. Khayrukum man ta'allam al-Qur'ana wa allama. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this session uh, you're listening. I'm, I've been put here to teach this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, the, accept this and allow you all to impart this knowledge of the Quran at different levels, whether that be to your children, to encourage them and so on. And to become scholars of the Quran as well. That's not far-fetched, that to become profound readers of the Quran. May Allah accept from us. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.